Stardate 5373.4. We are in orbit around the planet of the Time Vortex, the focus of all the timelines of our galaxy. Our mission is to assist a team of historians in the investigation of Federation history. The episode, Yesteryear. This is the Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast. Ah, hello friends and welcome back to another episode of the Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast. Uh, you are with me, your usual host, Mike, uh, Mike Wilson. I am joined as always by my co-host DK. Hello there. DK is having all kinds of technical issues, so apologies if you hear some slight interference in the in the background there, but we're doing our best to keep him with us and uh, we well, are thrilled. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We are thrilled to be joined by a first-time guest again uh, this week, uh, and um, it's a guest that I invited on because I actually encountered her for the first time on uh, Star Trek TikTok, or Trek Talk as it's known. Uh, Mary, welcome to the podcast. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going? Yes, I thoroughly recommend finding Mary on TikTok for fun, funny videos, sometimes profound, sometimes just good chats, and an awful lot of Star Trek uh, cosplay and uniforms. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love cosplay. And uh, I, it's funny because I've only been doing this for just a little bit over a year, as far as like in the Trek talk area. Mm. Um, I was, I got on TikTok in pre-pandemic. Um, wow. And I got on there because a coworker said, oh, this TikTok thing is so funny. So I was like, oh yeah, that looks like fun. I could probably, and my kids started talking about it. And I said, well, then I needed to automatically get on there so I could embarrass them. So, <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so the very first video I made was just, hi, this is my first TikTok. And I showed my kids and I'm like, and I'm here to embarrass them. And my daughter's like, ah. So. <laughs> nice and, uh, i like it the funny thing is is that from there uh you know like when i got into uh trek talk that was when i started like really growing like a bit of a following and mm. now my kids actually tell their friends and their friends run across me um <laughs> and so now it's kind of a flex like my kids actually flex their mom's popularity. <laughs> oh, you're the cool mom. I am. I'm. I. I am. I would like to think that I'm the cool mom. I mean, oh, nice. not too cool that I'm like really permissive, but cool enough that I know how to have fun with the kids. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so you're just waiting for the day that the kids ask you to buy them their first Starfleet uniform. I guess. Oh. Well, see, right now, uh, my daughter's about the same size as me, so she could wear what I wear. My, oh, okay. oldest, wow. my oldest son just 
recently like got taller than me, but he's skinny. And some of my uniforms are a little long, so he can wear them. And I did make him actually when one of them showed up, one of my Voyager uniforms showed up at home, but I was at work. Um, I said, try it on. I want to see what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so he did. And he was there standing there wearing a, a science uniform. And I was like, this is lovely. And um, he's gotten, I mean, because of, because of Trek talk and everything, I have gotten my kids a little bit more into Star Trek where they were not into it at all. And now like my oldest son genuinely likes it. Loves Lower Decks. Loves Lower oh, Decks. Oh, cool. See, this and, is parenting done right. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the thing is, is that though I am divorced, what brought or, or one of the main things that my ex and I connected on was Star Trek. Uh, he brought me in. Um, I had already like uh, been into Star Trek like years before, just hit and miss. But he was the one who brought me into the fandom. But the problem was, is that I went into the fandom. And he did not. <laughs> he was like, I've created a monster. What am I doing? Yeah. I was like, can we get uniforms? Can we dress up as like a family of Starfleet officers and stuff like that? And he, he was just not quite that into it. As much you sat there was. thinking, I've made a huge mistake. Well, <laughs> that among other things. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go there but yeah um i also wanted to say that as much as i love all of the kind of star trek uniforms and stuff i also appreciate the fact that i know you've started watching the oval and you've got an oval uniform um oh, so you yes. can you can join my crew of people that i'm desperately trying to force dk my co-host into watching the show because he still has it <laughs> i <laughs> so. love the orville oh my gosh you haven't watched it yet. You need to get on it. It is so good. It is so good. I hadn't watched it until uh, this summer. And um, it was like this, the third season had already started. And um, I hadn't watched anything really. And um, it was recommended to me. So I popped on and I watched the first episode and I was like, eh. and I wasn't, mm. I wasn't a fan of it instantly. Um, but uh, because I, I kind of felt like when I was sitting there watching it, I was like, this feels like family guy in space. Yeah. And <laughs> I, you know, like I liked the, uh, I liked family guys, star Wars episodes and I liked his lampooning of star Trek when like he would have like, you know, those little, cutaway scenes of Star Trek that's funny like that stuff's hilarious but yeah. this just felt like you're trying too hard and I don't yeah. really I'm not a real big fan well um I think I think Mike that you know um he's known on TikTok and uh tw and Twitter Random Gotham you know yes you know him? yes yeah I've okay. seen him on well, TikTok was, a lot yeah yeah, he's the one who told me to watch. And I told him that I wasn't a big fan. I was like, eh. And he's like, you have to keep watching. And so I watched I've the second told the episode. Same, yeah. <laughs> I watched the second episode and I was like, um, not so much. He's like, please keep watching. 
Keep going. So yeah. after after a few weeks or so, I watched the third episode. It was the third episode that turned the the that that turned the corner for me. And then I was like, mm. okay, I get it now. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. And, I'm still on the Family Guy in Space kind of vibe at the moment. Yeah. I, please do not think that that is what it is at all because it becomes so much more so rich and mm. oh, just just so good. I can't tell you how many episodes during the third season alone I was crying mm -hmm. at because it's oh, yeah. so impactful. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, we had an interview with um, Fred Bronson, who's like an old friend of Gene Roddenberry a few weeks ago, and uh, I got him talking because he's like tweeted out how much he loves the Orville and stuff, and he said the same thing that I've been saying, which is series one and two at times try a bit too hard for the comedy and stuff, but you've got to get to season three because season yeah. three is just so good. It's outstanding, and I was the same. I was emotional every other week <laughs> i know i know i um i i was just i i had to take breaks i i had to stop and watch an episode a week after they were all already out i was watched down to watching one episode a week because i couldn't handle it i was like okay yeah. this is enough i have i have all of these emotions <laughs> Yeah, but, I, I also just, I love that season three basically just completely turned the tables because for the first couple of seasons, you had all those people that were like, new Trek is too woke. I'm going to watch the Orville because it's what Trek should be. And I just feel like Seth MacFarlane heard it and was like, oh, you think so? And then season three was like, you think you've seen woke? Oh, I'll get you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, oh, people calling new Trek too woke is, uh, yeah, we, it's we, a don't, pet we don't get along. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, we completely agree with you. Yeah, believe me, we're on the same page with that. So definitely, uh, yeah, awesome. Uh, well, yeah, as I say, um, do do uh, if you get a chance, look up Mary on uh, TikTok because it's always good fun. But um, I, I was looking forward to, to chatting, as you can probably tell from the last ten minutes or so, uh, because we uh, we do have a lot of kind of things in common with Trek and stuff. And I wanted to know a bit more about your journey. So um, that is basically how we always start with new guests, with just a little sort of getting to know you. Uh, and a section that I call Healing Frequencies Open. Healing Frequencies Open, sir. Um, you've kind of, you've half answered the first question already without being prompted, because the first thing I always like to ask is, what was it that first got you into Star Trek? Uh, which you kind of explained it was uh, your ex-husband that kind of started yeah. you watching. Um, yeah. Can you remember, can you recall your sort of first experience? What was it that grabbed you? And maybe what was your first episode, if you can recall? Well, um, I don't, uh, I don't remember as a kid, the first episodes that I watched, but it was the original series. Um, mm. I would get home from school and my mom would always have the TV on and uh, afternoons, uh, whatever station it was, I don't know, they would have on Star Trek and the monkeys like right back to back and I oh, loved yeah. both of them. <laughs> and I was super into space because this was like, you know, the mid 80s. And, um, you know, shuttles and everything like that. And I was obviously like greatly impacted like a lot of people by the Challenger accident. Um, and uh, I just, I, I wanted to go to space. I wanted to be an astronaut. Like these were important things to me. So anything that had to do with space and the future and like robots and stuff like loved it. I, I was ridiculous for it. Um, and the uh I guess I guess maybe I got into the monkeys because of Star <laughs> Trek because they kind of look if you look at how they're shot and how like their scenery is and everything like that besides like outside stuff 
uh, they're very similar and even their jokes are similar. It's, it's wild. Um, uh, there are things where I feel like they are in the same universe and don't yeah. come at me on that. I <laughs> no, I mean, it isn't that literally why they put, um, why they put, um, Walter Koenig as Chekhov. He was supposed to be Davy Jones. That's yeah. why they patterned exactly. him to look that way. So exactly. yeah, definitely. There's, uh, I mean, there are jokes in each show that are the same joke. Like it's the same joke and it's so weird. And I, I, remember watching um, the original series with my ex because he got he would get uh, DVDs for Christmas from his family of all the Trek series. And so we would watch them. And I remember one time where they were talking about a card game. And mm. I was like, oh my gosh, they talked about this on the monkeys. This is a monkeys joke. <laughs> and he was like, what? And I'm like, shut up. This is it. <laughs> So I, yeah. So anyways, that being said, then I would uh, see Hit and Miss of uh, the Next Generation and I was a Wesley Crusher fan girl. Oh, okay. <laughs> to, see, to see a boy, like, even though I'm not sure exactly how much older he is than me, but he was obviously older than me because he was a teenager and I was a child. Um, mm. but I still had, I still had a big crush on him and I was like, this is exactly what I want out of my life. I want to be a genius on a starship. This, this is, <laughs> this is where I am. And I want to meet cute boys like this. This is what the future <laughs> looks like. All the spandex, all of the, everything <laughs> throw in Deanna Troy looking fine with the curly hair that my straight haired self will never, ever achieve and her beauty and grace and just everything about all the stuff that she wore she would she to me was the future fashion perfected and so it's it's funny that this is the stuff that caught me <laughs> <laughs> no and then, i think it makes sense too. <laughs> and, and so i would i would draw pictures and and write things about the future and everything was you know in spandex so <laughs> <laughs> why not that next generation aesthetic is the one that i think a lot of people of our vague generation grew up with and so yeah <laughs> i mean i love the original series aesthetic as well obviously but i think the next generation one is the most like home for me so yeah it's true awesome. it's true it, it really did it it drew me in and i would always wonder and i would turn on the tv on sunday afternoons trying to catch uh wesley again on the screen but <laughs> I did not realize that he wasn't in as many episodes as I thought he was, but that's okay. I was, and I would still sit down yeah. and watch. <laughs> I was just going to say, I bet you were devastated when Final Mission aired and it was like, that's it. He's gone from the show. <laughs> oh, well, I, didn't, I just, I didn't know because until, until uh, within the past 10 years, I had not watched all, all the episodes of Next Generation. Oh, okay. Yeah. So my when I say my ex got me into it, it was with my ex that I watched every single episode of every single uh, Star Trek show to that nice. point <laughs> and all of the movies. And that includes the J.J. Abrams ones in the theaters, too. Oh, oh wow. So OK, cool. <laughs> we did. We did all of it like we watched all of it. And uh, oh, it was nice. what we would do after the kids, after putting the kids to bed, we'd go watch Star Trek. And I That's have cool. somewhere in Facebook land memories um, noting when uh, we watched the last episode of Deep Space Nine, which was the last episode that was current, or, or, you know, of 
of Trek current. So, yeah. because it was before discovery had started. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's fair enough. So you can't really remember a specific episode, but you kind of dipped in and out and then uh, kind of watched every episode, I guess, when yeah. when you were dragged I, to it. So. I mean, when the, the first episode that my ex showed me that really got me hooked was uh, Caretaker, a Voyager, if you want to yeah. if you want an episode. And cool. um, that was what got me into it. And we watched Voyager first. And as mm. soon as that episode was over, I said, well, what happens? And he, he goes, well, I'm like, do they get home? He, he goes, I'm like, <laughs> How I long do you, you got? Have you got seven years? <laughs> and I said, I said, I said, well, well, because I was moving away. Um, uh, oh. He lived, uh, he li I live in Ohio in the United States. And um, I was moving away to Mississippi. And he's here in Ohio. And so uh, this was basically like our last day together. And um, uh, I was like, well, let, let me watch the, the last episode. Let's just watch the last episode. And then, then oh. I can see what happens. And he looks at me and he says, you won't understand it. And I said, why not? <laughs> he said, so much happens between then and, you know. And I, I thought to myself, well, this is ridiculous. I bet I would understand at least some of it. And uh <laughs> So anyways, so he would come down, he came down and visited me a couple times and he brought, and this was when um, they were sending out VHS tapes. Oh um, yes, I'm, I'm from that era as well. Yeah, having to two, put up with two episodes a month. Yeah, <laughs> yeah yep. So he was, he was on that, he was on that plan. And um, so he would bring a few of his VHS tapes down to visit me in Mississippi and we would watch. Um, and, uh, I think by the time we got done watching Voyager, he, uh, he actually had moved cause he moved down to Mississippi a year later. Um, yeah. and so we watched it then, oh. but yes, it was, uh, it was, it was caretaker and I needed to know what happened to the Voyager crew. <laughs> I was intrigued. <laughs> See, when I first watched Caretaker, I didn't have that option because it was literally as it went out, more or less live. Because uh, oh it was gosh. the end of. Because um, I'm, I'm in the UK, obviously, and uh, it, it aired for us as the end of uh, Star Trek Night, I think, to celebrate the 30th anniversary. So it was a bunch of like uh, panel shows and quiz shows of like UK celebrities talking about Star Trek and uh, stuff like that. And then the night ended with the premiere screening of Caretaker. Uh, so oh, that yeah. was the. Yeah. I never saw that. I ended up having to buy the VHS. Oh really? Okay, <laughs> that's fair enough. That's that's my first series that I actually watched the pilot as it went out because um, I was the same. I watched like TOS and TNG, but they were many episodes deep by the time I started. So yeah, mm -hmm. that was pretty cool. Awesome. Well, that kind of segues me into my next question, if uh, if you don't mind, then, which is um, with your vast knowledge now of all of these things, if you had to pick three episodes or movies to show someone that you think would represent the best of Star Trek. Uh, maybe to try and lure people to watch, what would uh, the three choices be for you? Okay, uh, the three episodes that I would choose. Mm, okay, this is this is hard for me. Um, mm. Okay, uh, I I am fully ad uh, admitted that I am a Voyager. Like that's my top series. Voyager is my top series. Um, I think the the episode, one of the episodes, or I guess episodes that I would pick 
would be um would be year of hell okay i yeah. love i always, i i always count two partners as one episode by the way so that's fine yeah. <laughs> okay okay cool um i i just i find that either that one i see i it's a toss-up either that one or counterpoint because i find that the intrigue in both of these episodes is so good that i want mm. somebody to see how good the writing is in mm. you know uh, I, and I feel like it really shows like the, the, like what a strong captain Janeway is. And I feel like sometimes people don't give Janeway a chance because for whatever reason, I've heard them all. Mm. And um, I, I feel like that's a, like that one is a really good one. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, let's see. Another episode. This is, this is probably going to be, this one's probably going to be kind of wild and it's and i i wouldn't have been able to say it any other day except for today um or <laughs> well if you would have asked me last week this wouldn't have been on my list because as far as i knew it didn't exist the most recent episode of prodigy yes thank you have you seen it yet tk by the way just I to avoid seen it yet. i'm watching oh, it this weekend <laughs> I don't. Okay, then I don't want to give you any spoilers. But what a love letter to Star Trek! Yep. What a love letter! <laughs> it's beautiful, yes. and pulls in so many things from the original series in such mm -hmm. a respectful, loving way, and yeah. without you having to know all of these things in order to appreciate it. Yes, I should clarify it's for the accessible. audience because um, this this won't go out for a few weeks uh, at time of recording. I should clarify the, the episode that uh, Mary's referring to, the last one to air at time of recording was All the World's a Stage. So that's the yes. one we're referring to. And uh, yes. yeah, I also just loved it so much. And it's weird because we've just been singing the praises of Prodigy because the episode that we, our last episode to go out, which actually goes out tomorrow at time of recording, uh, was mm -hmm. us just raving about the Prodigy episode Time Amok. <laughs> so it's oh, kind of like... I know, I know. <laughs> Both of those episodes are so good. Like, as, <laughs> as, as young as this show is, I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't actually believe this, but the show has no business being this good, but it is. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah, we should definitely... We <laughs> we, we, we've been saying this over the last couple of weeks. It's been the consistently fantastic writing. And it's automatically marked it out as pretty much the best show going right now. It Absolutely, really, yeah. I I really agree. I'm I've been trying to get my kids to watch it. They like Murph because like the, I have a a, <laughs> a poster that I got oh. at um, Mission Chicago, and okay. um, they were they were giving them out, and it was just it's just a picture of you know it's uh, the the main picture that you see like that does I, I don't know how it exactly whatever the thumbnail is that you'll see for Prodigy. And it's got all mm. of them on there. And Murph is really cute. And my kids think that Murph is cute. And so I'm <laughs> like, yes. Um, yeah, that's fair. I've that's it, but they're also, my kids are a little bit older. My oldest is just about 16. And my youngest is almost 12. So they're not like kid kids. But I yeah. still feel like that they would really like this. And when I got them to watch yeah. a little bit, they said to me, they're like, this actually feels more like some of the anime stuff that we watch. That yeah, they it like. is. Yeah. I think it's designed to kind of sneak through kids as a kind of, this is a Nickelodeon show. <laughs> and, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. They, um, they, 
are they I mean they do like some of the stuff and like I said uh my uh my oldest really enjoys lower decks and that's, that's, that's an, hilarious <laughs> I, I know and that's and that's the other thing um okay because the other another episode that I was going to pick was uh uh the uh the season finale of lower decks for the season, season three for okay. season three um because I've right. I, I found that uh, that uh, Boimler's uh, path through all of this stuff that he created, but then he went off. <laughs> he he went away from the main story um, mm. to deal with what he, you know. I'm like, how much spoilers are we allowed to give on here? I guess I should ask that. Oh, I mean, um, we, we've uh, we've definitely seen it's um, yeah. the season three finale was the stars at night, so it was the one okay. where they basically have to face off all the California classes versus the Texas class. Yeah, but it's been out a few weeks at this point. Yeah. So, and our general rule on... is if we if if we've seen it, go for it. Yeah. Okay, okay, <laughs> exactly. okay. Well, when he's dealing with what he thought was the death of of his uh, his clone or his you know transporter twin. Um, so, and and I kind of, when he was sitting there, like, like sitting with that for a little bit, I felt that, like, I was like, oh, you know, it's not too often that they have characters really sitting and, you know, like dealing with a, with the death of someone that was or was not close to them. But I mean, for him, it was him, I think, seeing his own mortality Mm. and and dealing with that and anyways i just found it to be um highly entertaining while at the same time really diving deep into your own psyche like mm. of you know like thinking about your own mortality and how you deal with that and granted we all aren't all going to go off the rails like that but just think of like the things that we do do sometimes. So Definitely. anyways, those are, those are, those are my out there choices for episodes that I would show people. <laughs> that's great. I love, I love the new presentation there in, uh, in that yeah. as well. So that's fantastic. And uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think the writing, particularly of the animated ones, because Mike McMahon who does lower decks is so good at just putting a, a regular Star Trek episode in the middle of a comedy and somehow it working, which I would yeah. never have expected. And um, I don't know if you saw this, but after the most recent Prodigy episode, because I always praise it all the time. And so I don't know if it's because of that, but head writer Aaron Waltke, uh, who's yes. like executive writer, he followed me um, and he ah. sometimes like, likes my tweets and stuff. And so after I'd immediately finished watching the episode, I kind of linked, uh, what's the word, sort of shared to his username and just put... I have nothing really eloquent to say. Just thank you, thank you, thank you. I've yeah. never been this emotional for a long time, and it just I felt so seen as a fan. And it's nice to know that one of us is kind of in charge of things. And he just put back the little live long and prosper sign in a heart. And I was like, "Yep, that'll do." <laughs> it's I I I found I have found um, from for myself the uh, that the people who specifically do like lower decks and um, prodigy have been really out there like being with the fans you know on twitter mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. like that they do yeah. see us and they are listening and i uh in my interaction or you know like uh brief um with a couple of the uh voice actors from uh yes from lower decks um at the convention in chicago back in april 
they are wonderful and they are truly appreciative of the fans and yeah. i think that that's like one of the best things because it was the it was the first convention i have ever been to in my 43 years i had oh, never ever been to that's a convention. unbelievable you have the I, best photo from that convention and it was the first one you went to that's it insane. was <laughs> it was and the thing is is that the uh, the idea for the photo the idea for the photo was made that morning. Um, oh, wow. Not what we were going to do, but just to do it. It yeah. was just made that morning. <laughs> and then uh, we walk in there and as a photo shoot goes, you know, like the, the, the photo opportunities, they're very rushed. You're very in there, out there kind of sort of thing. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people and I totally get that. Um, but I walked in and uh tawny looked at me and she goes oh my god jennifer and i was like <laughs> you were in costume like, we should clarify you're not just naturally blue with antenna <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> i was dressed up as jennifer jennifer tran as uh you know an andorian yeah and uh and uh tawny looks at me and she goes should should i shove you and i looked at her oh. and i said I said, would you please? This is our interaction. <laughs> I probably would have said the same. Yeah. I, so, so we did, um, so we did, um, I, I was like, okay. I said, when they're going to shoot the picture, just shove me. So then, you know, like we can get like an authentic reaction because I am all for it. I do, you know, like a little bit of community theater. So I know how to do like a little bit of acting and I, I know what to do to get like a real look. So I was like, just shove me. And then I'll be like, oh my gosh, she shoved me. And um, so she did, but the picture messed up and they're like, hey, can we do that again? Uh, the, the people shooting the picture, um, the photographer okay. said that. So she was like, all right. She's like, I didn't, she's like, I felt like we were a little late on that. She's like, so. She's like, you just, she's like, I'm going to pretend like I'm shoving you. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to throw my head back. And that's what we're going to do. <laughs> and so uh, my friend who was dressed up as Mariner, she was over there with her. And I didn't realize that when I was throwing my head back and everything that I was running into Noelle, um, <laughs> a.k.a. Tendi. Yeah. And, um, and then uh, Jack is over there with my friend Rick who's dressed up as Boimler, and they're both holding the Tom Paris plate. They had no <laughs> idea what was going on in the rest of the picture, like with all of the girls. They had no idea. They were just over there happy with their Tom Paris plate, and it was beautiful. It was That's the best awesome. thing that I've ever oh, done. I love it. I, <laughs> I, um, when, I, when I had sort of confirmed that you were happy to come on the podcast and stuff, because DK obviously hadn't really seen anything, I didn't know you, I don't think. And I was yeah. like, okay, this, the first thing I'm going to show you about Mary is this cosplay photo from a convention, because this is what you need to see. And I was like, she's she's the one cosplaying Jennifer in this photo. And I think I showed him that, and DK was like, that is genius. I love this woman already. <laughs> <laughs> It was, it was probably, I'm, I'm not joking. Like I wanted to do Jennifer because I thought it would be fun and it would be a cosplay that other people wouldn't do. Mm. Um, and it turned out like at the convention, a lot of people knew who I was and people were yelling at me all the time. They're like, <laughs> if Jennifer, all the time. <laughs> and it was the only Charming. time it, it was. And, and 
it was the only time I ever was like really okay with like people saying ew at me a lot. It was fine. <laughs> but then oh. I had plenty of Andorians uh, from other eras, places, things who would come up to me and they're like, you're one of us. Let's take a picture. <laughs> and so I was like, let's take a picture. And nice. uh, it was fantastic when this one guy who uh, liked to mix his fandoms, he was a, a Starfleet officer who had uh attached a lightsaber that to make it look like it was going through his body and he came up to me he said will you take a picture with me and i said yes i will as long as i can stab you and he said absolutely <laughs> that is great that is fantastic awesome <laughs> i'd love to be at one of these conventions especially if you and uh, your friends are there by the sounds of it so that's oh, awesome. I, play, I, I plan to pull this one. I pulled I plan to pull this cosplay out again for another convention because it, it's not a one-time thing. I think it's it's oh, too yeah. much fun to do. Awesome. Well, if you're okay with it, I'll probably share that picture um just over the top of us talking when this goes out because I think people that's need to totally see fine. It, so. That would yeah. yeah, that would be wonderful. When Tawny awesome. showed it, we were so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Oh, well, that's cool. Um, so, yeah, the next question on my list then um, is a probably a quicker, potentially just equally tough one. Uh, and okay. it's just simply, uh, just simply, what's your favorite series of all of the track? Well, uh, my favorite series, I, I, I think I've answered this before, like TikTok lives. And um, I, I, I kind of break it up. Um, I have like the DS or, or, you know, Enterprise and earlier and then New Trek. And right, okay. when I, when I, when I go like, you know, for like, I, I, I guess I want, I want to call them like legacy series. Voyager, I said before, Voyager is my series. It is the comfort one. It is the one I go back to time and time again to watch. I just, I just love everything about the Voyager crew. Um, yeah. And that is really my series. Um, as far as new Treks, Lower Decks, it's, it's, hmm. It's by far and away, although I am going to say because of, uh, you know, getting back uh, more episodes of Prodigy, it's certainly making a run for it for me. Uh, yeah. I have truly enjoyed um, uh, Strange New Worlds and Discovery. Uh, but for me, it's a little slower. And I guess I guess I have always been a big fan of animation. Mm, so <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I spent... I spent a lot of my years, you know, on the Pixar movies and everything like that. Lots of years with Bugs Bunny. <laughs> so <laughs> animation is a big deal to me. And so this, is, this is really awesome. nice to mix all, all of it up together. <laughs> That's cool. Well, that, that kind of feeds into, I should have probably said this earlier, but that feeds into the review we will be doing today. Uh, because as, as I guess say, I should have mentioned, this is kind of the series where we're looking at time travel related episodes. And the particular one we're going to look at later in this episode is the Star Trek, the animated series episode yesteryear. So we will get to that, I promise. <laughs> yeah. But um, with that in mind, then the final question of this before we move to the hit or miss section, Mary, is just... Um, okay. Do you do you have any personal favorite time travel stories from all of the Trekdom? Oh, um, uh, yeah, I'm I'm not the best on uh, like episode names. I, I think that's it's fine. If you describe it, we'll know. Our chances are I, my encyclopedic brain will know the title. Yeah, yeah. Might know it. <laughs> I'm like I think it's Voyager's Timeless, where uh, yes. where Harry goes back to save Voyager from crashing. Yep. 
into the ice episode planet. 100 of uh, voyager that's why it was yes. kind of a special oh one. <laughs> what an episode and i know it was directed yep. by lavar burton and i know that LeVar yeah, burton he's in it was, yeah because he's in it and i was like that's such a good episode it's such a good episode i love and, that episode and and it let harry be something you know and hmm. I, I just i i wanted i wanted harry to because i think i i, I think anybody who loves voyager if you really love Voyager, then you probably do have an affection for Harry Kim and a yeah. sympathy for the man. <laughs> yeah, didn't get him <laughs> a bloody promotion, did it? So, yeah, I, it was just, I, I felt like at least in that episode, he got to be able to truly be the hero. And yeah, I liked that cool. for him. That's cool. Um, so, yeah, Timeless would be, any, any others that you wanted to sort of give honorable mentions or... <laughs> uh okay um oh man i'm trying to think uh the thing is is like now that i'm on voyager i have a uh, voyager brain so i'm thinking about futures oh, there's end. a lot i see i like futures. that and dk doesn't and we've had so many disagreements this series about that. really <laughs> i you love like futures, futures end. End. Yeah, I, just, oh, I, I just can't i can't square the uh the present day scenes i'm not a big a big ed begley jr fan oh okay I thought he was really good at playing a bad guy because see I had no I had seen him before. I was like, Oh, I know that guy. That's the guy from St. Elsewhere because my parents watched that show. So <laughs> to talk about how old I am, I was I was okay. a kid and bored by it, but I was like, I know that guy with blonde hair and glasses. So uh yeah, uh but um I enjoyed Future's End because um, I enjoyed Sarah Silverman. I thought she was one of the best, the best guests on Star Trek, like period, like across the yeah. board. She I would agree. Excellent. I don't think DK would, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I liked it. I liked her banter with. Uh, mm. I, I liked the. I liked Rain's banter with uh, with Tom Paris. And yes. Stuff. I, yeah. I thought. I thought it was fun. I and 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 honestly, seeing Tom be in a place that he really loved and wanted to see because of how much he loved the past, uh, you know, yes, that exactly. era and everything. I, I yeah, yeah, there was, oh. there was a lot, there was a lot to enjoy about it. I just, now all I can think of is her good. Let me guess you minored in B movies. <laughs> 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 Love it. Awesome. That's cool. That's all right then. So uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's going to cover that. So uh, I'm going to move us on then because I know that we don't want to keep you for too long because you've probably got plans of your own and stuff. But, no, the um... thing is, is I am a chatty Kathy. You guys got yeah. it. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, be better that than us just sit in silence. Yeah. <laughs> so that's fine. So, uh, yeah, that's cool. Well, I'll move us to the next section then. As I say, I, I briefly discussed it with you um, just over sort of chat, Mary, before we uh, we had you on the show. And it is going to be the section I call Hit or Miss. What about my performance? I'm not a drama critic. And just I think random things from somewhere in the Star Trek universe, but with a couple of time travel related ones to try to fit this season's theme thrown in. Uh, and I just cool. basically will ask Mary and DK, do you think it's a hit or a miss? Some reasons why we can debate back and forth if need be, if we're if there's any disagreement. Sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't, but we always keep it civil because we're nice people. <laughs> so, <there we> go. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, with that in mind then the first thing that i have ready for this week is something that's kind of fitting into a theme that i got into over the last sort of couple of uh, episode recordings and i don't know why but i'm down this rabbit hole now so why not uh, we've covered lower decks and we've covered prodigy so hit or miss 
the Star Trek Discovery uniforms, specifically from season four onwards. And uh, as our guest, Mary, we'll start with you. What do you think? Uh, I am a I'm a big fan of uniforms, but this one's going to be a miss for me. I don't like oh, them very much. I I am shocked by that. That's okay. Okay. <laughs> so why, why why are you not overly fond of uh, this particular one? Then? I don't know. It's just the aesthetics of it. I don't love the stripe down. <laughs> mm. I can understand it's, that it's, part. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not my it's not my thing. Plus, I mean, okay. Sumiko is a beautiful woman. I feel like it's not doing her any favors. Right. <laughs> I'm okay. just like, it just doesn't look great on her. I'm like, mm, <laughs> not so much. Not so much. Yeah. It's like the the cut isn't working, you know. Yeah. Okay, that's <laughs> that's fair enough. My, my least favorite thing about these without giving away my answer is that I hate that for some reason they think that it looks good to have everything be asymmetrical so one side is longer than the other. Not that you, mm -hmm, you can't really mm -hmm, see yeah. it a lot, but yeah, that that sort of bugs my OCD brain when I'm like, oh, it's just yeah. it doesn't look good at all. But yeah, I'll I'll get to the rest of uh, of it later. But yeah, I can understand that. That's fair <laughs> enough. So you don't you don't have this one in your wardrobe to cosplay then? No, and I'm probably not going to be buying it either. No, nope, okay, I think so. <laughs> fair enough. What about you, DK? Hit or miss for these uniforms? I think it's going to be a soft miss. Nine times out of ten, I don't really notice. The uniforms, whereas in things <laughs> like Lower Decks and Prodigy, you know, to Next Gen, the, the the uniforms are there. You can't help but pick up on them. But these kind of just wash over me, apart from the aforementioned, like you said, the uh, the asymmetry of the hemline. Oh, I hate that. And I, I also <laughs> don't like Saru's badge collection. It just oh, looks, I love that. <laughs> no, it just looks a little too cluttered to me. It just looks like he's just trying out for Boy Scouts. So... It's no worse than it's no worse than Wolf's Baldrick, is it? I, I, I can take I can take Wolf's Baldrick, but no, no, it just to me it just doesn't work. I, I think the the Discovery crew were better in the uh, the original uniforms, the blue and gold mm. ones. Yeah, I, yeah, I, it, I agree. I agree. Yeah, it, it works for him. So to me, it's uh, it's I don't hate it. You know, I'm not I'm not going raging fanboy on it, but yeah, it's a softening. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, I, I'll weirdly enough then, despite what I said earlier, I'll be the lone voice that says they're a hit because I like them. <laughs> um, just perhaps it's because I was really concerned that when, like, I never really liked the blue jumpsuit type look from those first two seasons because it didn't fit. And I prefer colorful Starfleet uniforms because, I don't know, maybe it's because I grew up with TOS and TNG. So I like the fact that these are all that color. It's not like a tiny bit of red, yellow or blue somewhere in there. Um, and I think I was worried, as, as I was saying, when season three aired, that I was like, oh, when they get the new uniforms, they're going to have those ugly ass motion picture looking great ones and it's going to look terrible. And sure enough, season three finale ended with them in those uniforms. And I was like, no. <laughs> so when when the season four trailer aired and they didn't have them on and they had these nice bright ones, I was like, oh, thank God, because <laughs> I couldn't have. Uh, not that I wouldn't have watched the show or anything, but I was like, I don't know if I could have taken those just drab gray things <laughs> for any longer than need be. So yeah, I like I like the material. I like the fact that the captain has those little epaulettes on the shoulder. I don't know why. I just think it looks cool. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm not gonna uh, disagree with you on the shoulders. Like the shoulders look. Sharp. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, 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 that, I mean, that part works for me, but yeah, it's like the asymmetry and everything like that that I just really can't get into. Although I am going to say, uh, what, uh, what you were saying was that you didn't want it to be like you, you weren't a big fan of the blue and the gold. 
but I felt like it needed to be there in order to be like the bridge from Enterprise to the original yeah. series. Since yeah, that was originally I'm... where it was in the timeline. Well, no, it, not, was, but... it, it was and it wasn't because I mentioned this on a previous episode. It irritated me because it was like two years after the cage. So really, they should have been in TOS uniforms. So I was like, fair oh, enough, fair enough. <laughs> But yeah, that's just me being <laughs> being a nerd, I guess. But there we go. That's okay. Um, to show this, I want to see the uh, the four epaulets from uh, the finale of Lower Decks. I want to see someone in live action wearing all those. Oh, what the admiral uniform is? Yeah, the yeah. fleet admiral ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, we'll we'll uh, call that one a miss then, because I'm outvoted two to one, and we'll probably end up talking about uniforms again. I'm sure because there's plenty of them. <laughs> so there we go. They're, oh, um, they're com- constantly coming out with new uniforms. My goodness. Oh yeah, <laughs> completely. And the fact, like, I, I I love Prodigy so much; it's my favorite show. But I just don't get why they have a Ugh. completely new uniform for the protostar and then a completely different uniform for the dauntless to what we knew from the picard flashbacks and everything and it's just like, oh what mm-hmm. are we doing here it doesn't <laughs> make sense to me either no yeah <laughs> but never mind they look good so it's fine uh, so yeah that was vaguely time travel related i guess kind of considering it's 32nd <laughs> century but the second thing on my list i would say is definitively time travel related and it is a ship as well because i always like to chuck some of those in so hit or miss for the USS Pasteur from All Good Things. Uh, Mary, again, we'll start with you. Oh, okay. Um, I am not a ship person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. You, you'd get on well with our friend Will, who every time yeah. you do one of these, he's like, they all look the same. They're just I, I, I'm like, the, is that, oh, if... Yeah, Will's I'm currently not, punching the air. I am, uh... <laughs> I I don't know because I, I I don't know enough about ships to really truly have an opinion. So I can only go based on aesthetics and it's gonna yeah, be a yeah. miss be- it's gonna be a miss for me because that thing is ugly. <laughs> and that's all I can say about it. Fair enough. That's okay. <laughs> DK, do you have anything to add to that? Isn't <laughs> uh, they have a in expanded media, didn't they have kind of a, a prototype version of this with the TOS nacelles this, and everything? Yeah, this reminds me a lot of the Daedalus class, which is that's not the, that's, I thought it was the Daedalus. canon, but I do like it, yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of like it for that. I mean, I don't love it. It's not, you know, the Nog, but yeah, I'm going to go a soft hit. Awesome. Uh, I should say as well that even though this was like an abandoned timeline that this ship was seen in, uh, thanks to Lower Decks, we do know that the Olympic class looking identical does exist canonically in the main timeline because Mariner served on one of these ships that then docked at DS9. So, yay, I guess. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I I like this. I can't really explain. I think I like the, the Pasteur. I don't love it as a general kind of like just ship fitting somewhere in the fleet because as much as I do like the throwback to the Daedalus, it doesn't fully work as just a regular fleet ship. But the fact that it's supposed to be a hospital ship uh, in the case of the Pasteur, I think I like that it does look a bit different. And, you know, if it is fully just devoted to medical stuff, I get why it might have you know, a circular sphere that could be all, I don't know, sick bays or all hospital facilities or something. So I like that it visually stands out. And I do love that they also have the little caduceus, the little medical symbol on the side of the sphere, uh-huh. which is a cool little touch. Um, so, yeah, I, I like it for what it is. Like I said, if, it, if, you, if you're taking it in this particular ship, fair enough. If you're talking about the Olympic class in general, it's just a bit too different for me to fit in uh, if it's supposed to do so. So, 
Uh, yeah, so that's a, that's a soft hit, a hit, and uh, I think a miss from Harry for that one. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's fine. That's overall. I'll, I'll take the loss on the discovery uniforms considering I got the win for uh, for the pastor then. So the next thing on my list, let's see. Oh, the next thing on my list was a character, uh, and it is from Discovery. Uh, I already know DK's answer to this, so I'll probably go to you first, DK, to get it out of the way. So hit or miss <laughs> for Lieutenant Joanne Oshakun. <laughs> DK, why not start with you this time? It's a hit. <laughs> this woman kicks ass. I was so glad when uh, they featured her in the episode and didn't kill her off, Ariane. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I was terrified for 50 minutes thinking, don't you dare, don't you dare. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I, I think she's a fantastic character. I want to see. Yeah, I want to see more of her. I, I, I think. I think a lot of the Discovery crew, they deserve to have more time on screen than just the occasional forty minutes. Mm. I, I know we're probably not going to get it by the nature of the storytelling, but it, it's such a shame. I think a lot of them are wasted. But I am glad we uh, we got to spend time with uh, Washington. Awesome, awesome, uh, Mary. What about you? Uh, hit with me. Um, I have watched. Not all of Discovery. I haven't made it all the way through. And uh, I do remember her. And I remember the episode where it, it was, uh, I, and you'll have to tell me, I I'm, I'm think I'm thinking, where they were trying to do something and she ended up being like one of the last people who was like conscious in order to get things taken oh, care that of. Is that, season two, is that the, end of season, the end of season three, I think is what you're referring oh, to. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, when, um, okay. yeah, there's a handful of the crew and then they're, they're kind of, yeah, they're all coordinating their escape, but then yeah. everybody's everybody's running out of oxygen, but I think she, because she does this a lot, she tends to have the perfect skills for the occasion. In that particular instance, it was, oh, I've, I've been training in free, dra- free diving so I can hold my breath longer. Um, right. There was an incident, the very first time she was kind of important was the season two episode New Eden, where it was like, you grew up on a Luddite colony, so you know how to relate to people without technology. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, hmm, this woman seems like she's... <laughs> Incredibly skilled at exactly what you need. So I okay. have an affinity with her. <laughs> yeah. Fair well, any, anyways, I remember that. I remember that because, like I said, uh, I'm I'm literally on episode two of season four for Discovery. So oh, that's fair pressure, enough. Like, oh. It's pressure for me. So I, do, that's fair I was enough. like, oh, I really like her. I like her spunk. I oh well, yeah. you've you've got She's a really a hit for me. Good, uh, you've got a great episode coming up because it's about midway through season four. She gets quite a focus episode. Yeah, where she gets to kind of be the hero, and it's it's really good and really kick ass. I will say without spoiling anything else because you haven't seen it, obviously. Okay, yeah, um, please don't. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I won't see anything else, but it's good. And uh, yeah, I'm going to say hit as well, because even though, like I said, it is perhaps a bit convenient, every time she does kind of need to be called on, she steps up and does great things. And I wasn't even thinking about the season three finale, but yeah, the fact that she's the one that ultimately goes through and yeah, fair enough, she has to be pulled out very last second by Zora, the AI, I guess, mm-hmm. but she still kicked ass and sort of, you know, plowed through and saved everybody's life as far as I'm concerned there. And I like the relationship between her and Detmer, but I do wish, in a sense, that they would just admit that they're dating. Because come on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when they look at each other, it's it's the subtext is rapidly becoming text. Come on, people, just <laughs> let's just have them be an out couple. Because come on, they just are. Yeah. 
<laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. But um, yeah, I love I love uh, Oyen Aladejo, I believe the actress's name is, and yeah. who is I think is fantastic in with very limited as you say screen time sometimes. So uh, yeah, not really much to say other than that will be our first unanimous hit of the day. Yay! Yay. <laughs> so anything to add uh, before I move to the next one? Then either of uh, of you two. No, mm -hmm. I just really liked her. I just thought she yeah. brought a lot. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I'm going to move to the next one, which will be an episode, uh, which is not time travel related. And again, I don't really know why I put it in. I really hope you've both seen it now that I think of this, because it's quite recent. Uh, it's from Strange New Worlds. And okay. it is the episode, The Elysian Kingdom. Uh DK, we'll start with you again to mix things up and because I'm scared Mary hasn't seen this. <laughs> so there we go. I, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, I, I watch it with my family. My father hated it. He, he hates oh, anything wow. with any kind of whimsy, but uh, uh, I, I don't think you've edited the episode yet, but we kind of got into this a little uh, in last week when I was speaking oh. to Runa. And, Did you already uh, have it on the hit or miss section? No, I no, it's not on the hit or miss section, but it, it just naturally came into the conversation. I love the fact that these characters get every so often and they're just allowed to breathe and you're allowed to have, you know, episodes like this and, you know, such as the ones in the original series with, you know, Shaw leave. I like mm. that you can explore these strange facets of these characters and it does end up, you know, revealing more of the aspects of each character. But it doesn't bog you down in angst, and, it, and it's just—it's just such a joy to watch. I, I loved it. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. It's a that's awesome. Did you did you start talking uh, to Runa about it because she has the same name as as uh, Christina Chong's dog? By the way, <laughs> I uh, I didn't. I don't know how. I, I honestly have no idea how we got talking about it. But uh, but yeah, I, th I think it, I think we got onto some kind of going back to Awashikon. I think we got onto Discovery and how. It doesn't allow for this kind of episode, and it's a real shame because I think it, they could do with that kind of exposure. Yeah, I think I would agree with you on that one. That's I fair. agree with you on that too. I do. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. <laughs> Mary, Mary, first of all, have you seen this episode? And if yes, so, I have. I've episode? seen oh, the, I've, I've seen the entire uh, <laughs> first season of it. Um, and I feel bad now to say this. I did not like this one. Okay, that's fair. Miss. That's fair enough. This was that's a miss for me. Um, and it wasn't that the costumes weren't fantastic and beautiful. Um, it's not that I don't like uh, whimsical episodes because I do. I love it when they're able to get like a little breezy and fun. Um, I felt like for me in this one that the writing was just too shallow and convenient in how they solved the problem at the end. And so oh, I was like okay. disappointed <laughs> by that. It okay, kind of got... ruined it for That's me. That's fair enough. We are, gonna, we are gonna probably disagree then in that case because <laughs> I'm gonna say the episodes are hit and my favorite part of it is the ending because I didn't see it coming <laughs> and it was, it genuinely surprised me that it was the resolution, again, don't wanna fully get into it in case of spoilers, but that it was a resolution sure. of what I thought was gonna be a longer running storyline that it was resolved I and I wasn't too. expecting it to be. Yeah. <laughs> I guess uh, I yeah, wanted so. it to run longer. I was I okay. was hoping for it to, to run a little longer. And so the way that they just kind of tied it up like that made me feel a little bit sad and like we pushed her off 
you know, mm. it's like, well, we're done now. So I think that I mean, was that was the, the desired effect was that you were supposed to feel a bit sad. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I mean, I it's it. I mean, yeah, that's fair, fair to say. Mm. I guess it, it's just like that was my that was my gut, like where I felt. Yeah. And, so then I was I know, just like, I don't, I don't like this one as much. <laughs> I see where you're coming from in that if you didn't like that and you kind of were like, well, I didn't like the, the And it is the end of, ending to, like you said, a sort of a story you've been invested in for several episodes. So mm-hmm. not liking the way it's tied up kind of is is equally, is more annoying, sorry, because that now affects all these other episodes. So yeah. I fully get that. I do get that if you didn't like it. And I certainly can't say you're wrong well, to like, not like it because yeah um, but i had uh i had a, a lot of affection for like you guys said you know the way that the characters were able to like break out of who they were and be these like different you know it i i thought i thought that was fun it was really yeah. the end that kind of ruined it so i was like Aw. that's fair <laughs> That's fair enough. Well, just to just to sort of give the other side of the the argument, I guess in that case, like I said, I love the ending. It shocked me. I was surprised how emotional I got with it. I thought it was Babs Olashuku. I'm probably mispronouncing that. The actor who plays Doctor Umbenga, I think it was his finest hour, uh, oh, or yeah, you know, yeah. a few minutes in the show. Uh, in the end of that episode, I absolutely loved it. I loved the little bit of whimsy. I do think I'm kind of fifty fifty in terms of the how well the main cast members handled it because I think. Ethan Peck, by very nature, I guess, of the character and Anson Mount and Rebecca Romaine were just playing the same kind of characters they always do and didn't really sell me on anything. But, mm-hmm. like, the women, like Christina Chong and um, Celia Rose Gooding uh, and the actress who plays Nurse Chapel, whose name is completely... Jess Bush. Oh, Jess Bush. There we go. I thought all, all three of those were fantastic. Um, yeah. Oh, and yeah. um, Melissa... Navia, of course, who was fantastic. Yes. That, that that woman yes. could read a phone book and convince me I was uh, watching a fantastic performance. So she was outstanding as well. But yeah. that's a cosplay I would kill to do, right? There. Oh, really? Oh, I'd love to yes. see it. Yes, her, <laughs> so, sw- her, her swashbuckler. Oh, so good. Awesome. So good. Oh, that's cool. That's fair enough then. Uh, right. So, um, any other thoughts about uh, that one then from either of you before I go on? No. <laughs> Nope, I don't want to yuck anybody's yum because there was some no, not at all. fun and, things uh, about it. Yeah, not at all. And certainly, like I said, I'm not here to say, well, that's the wrong opinion. If you, if you didn't connect with it, you didn't. It's just one of those things, unfortunately. It's a shame because I think it's a nice episode and it would have... Uh, I, I always like to think of these things connecting better with fans, but if it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm sure there was other Strange New Worlds episodes you loved. <laughs> they're, they're, they had some really good... For their first season, I mm. think I liked 8 out of the 10. Okay, cool. No. I think I was I was officially nine out of ten liked, probably about three or four loved. So yeah, yeah. awesome. Uh, everybody by now probably knows the one I don't like, but I'll just say the word "gone" and leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> anyway, um, so the next one I had on my list was a ship again. So apologies in advance for this. Mary. <laughs> uh, so. Again, I don't even know why I came up with these. They're just completely at random. But it's vaguely, again, time travel related. It's from Discovery. Uh, and it is a ship. So hit or miss. Cleveland Booker's ship, as it's known, because it doesn't get a name. <laughs> so, Mary, we'll start with you. I know what I can. I honestly, I don't even recognize this. So I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm going I'm to go next then just to mix things up. And I'm going to say I also think it's a miss just because I don't. I don't get it. It looks ugly. It doesn't have any recognizable 
like propulsion system. I don't mind that the kind of the main view window thing, I guess, is kind of around a corner because it kind of looks cool. But I just my head can't fathom where the actual cargo storage is for what's meant to be a cargo ship. And every time it does that daft transformer megazord thing and just splits into multiple parts to reconfigure, I'm like, nah. I know it's the far future and you want to do something that looks cool, but this is just dumb. <laughs> just, <laughs> I, I, I just, my head can't fathom where the pieces came from and where they went to. It's like watching a Michael Bay Transformers movie. I'm just like, nope, not, not on board for this. <laughs> so, yeah, apologies if you're a fan of it, but it's a miss for me and a rare Eagle Moss model that I don't own. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, DK, we'll finish up with you then. Hit or miss for Bookship. I agree completely. Uh if it was if it, if you were just saying what do you think of the interior, I'd say, Wow, that's lovely, Mike. It's yes, yeah, yeah. I, I like the bridge area, I like the bedroom area. Although those two I think are the only parts you've seen of the ship. The outside, no. To me it's like the space version Tron's recognizer. Every time it splits up and flies apart. Nerd. It just <laughs> yeah, it just reminds me of that. At least we're all in agreement. We don't particularly like it, but um yeah, uh, I'll do one more, then we'll finish on six, because that seems like a nice, solid number. So I have a species or an episode. Uh, I'm going to let you pick, DK. Which one should I pick out of those two? Uh, not for species. Fair enough. Um, again, just completely at random, hit or miss for the Breen. Uh, and again, Mary, we'll start with you, if that's okay. <laughs> okay. Um, whenever I have seen the Breen, I felt like it was... Uh, Star Trek trying to be Star Wars. So yeah, it is. It is the Leah bounty hunter disguise. I love, kind of I love yeah. that I'm yep. just like, um, we already have done this, so yeah. it's a little. It, it feels a little unnecessary, and it's like, yeah, I mm. wanted to like them. I did. I wanted to, but it just felt. It just felt a little too copycatty. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair enough. That's I can fully understand that. Um, I'm I'm gonna go to DK because I'm kind of still torn on this, and I'm curious to know what you're gonna say. <laughs> I love them. Okay, that's a definite hit from it. I, I I wasn't entirely sold, but before even before I uh, watched the entirety of Deep Space Nine, uh, they I read a novel, uh, Zero Sum Game. Uh, forgive mm. me, I can't remember the author in which uh, Bashir infiltrated a Breen stronghold and it just sold me on them completely. And, yeah, I know it's it's non-canon stuff, but, yeah, I've never been able to get that novel out of my head since. And, uh, yeah, I just... The, the, the coverall, I mean, I love the helmet. The coverall's a bit hit or miss, as it were. But the, uh, the race itself, I, uh, yeah, I love them. That's fair enough. Uh, that novel's by David Mack, just to give credit where it's due. But... There we go. Very <laughs> uh, David. He's my friend. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah, see, I'm, I was going to say this, and I may as well say, I, I'm going to say a soft hit, because uh, I'm very torn in that I don't, like Mary, I don't like the look of them. They do seem very copycat and kind of weird. I like the idea that they're kind of from a planet that's so cold and not like yeah. what we're used to, that they have to kind of wear something that hides them and so we don't really know what they look like. That's a cool idea. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like they could have done more with the design of that to make it look, again, without getting into full-on Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Freeze territory, I guess, they probably could have done something better than Star Wars Bounty Hunter. But I do like the way they're 
employed in the story that they're in quite a lot of the time. So I thought it was cool when one of them turned up as a prisoner of the Dominion when Bashir was captured. And I love what they did with them at the seventh season of DS9 when it needed a sort of fresh injection in the whole Dominion War. And it became like, oh, these guys are turning the tide because they have a cool weapon that can get straight through our shields or whatever. So I like the way they used, which is how I'm going to say sort of soft hit. But I just, I, I'd be happy for them to do a complete visual redesign and just make them look a bit better. Um, yeah, that's mm-hmm. all I've really got to say about that. Fair so, enough. But yeah, but still, two two hits and one miss would uh, would give them a hit. So awesome. We uh, we'll move on then because that will conclude the hit or miss section for this week, uh, and we'll get into our episode review finally. Uh, and as I say, we, we do break this into sections, so this is the section that I will call begin analysis. <laughs> As I mentioned, we are looking this uh, this week at the episode Yesteryear from the animated series. Uh, I do have a little bit of behind-the-scenes information about the episode, so uh, again, spoilers if you haven't seen it, maybe watch it. It's only like 22 minutes. Without further ado, here is my musical accompaniment, so people don't get bored. Ah, there we go. Um, so, the episode Yesteryear. At the time that it was plotted, the writer of this episode, DC Fontana, asked herself, because it was her that explored the conflicted state of relations between Spock and Sarek in Journey to Babel, uh, she asked the question, how had that relationship been before and why did it evolve the way it did? Um, so yeah, that's where the, the genesis of the idea came from. The reuse of the Guardian of Forever from the city on the edge of Forever was not only a tie-in to one of the most popular episodes of TOS, but it also minimised the need for exposition about time travel, which was important because there's a heck of a lot to fit into this very short episode. So <laughs> there we go. Um, shortly after working on the episode, Fontana remarked, as to who and what Aichaya would be as a character, I decided he'd be closely patterned on my large cat, Bobby McGee. <laughs> While Bobby is not old and fat, he has the same affection, snuggle ability, the fastest claws in the West, and complete disregard for orders. One word from me and he does exactly as he pleases. That statement fits both Bobby and Aichaya. So... Yeah. <laughs> uh, with regards to Aichaya, apparently uh, Fontana, who wrote the episode, insists that we're all pronouncing it wrong. She actually wanted it to be pronounced Ichaya, but the voice actor that they hired to play young Spock pronounced it Aichaya, and the rest just kind of had to fall in line and copy it. So, oops. <laughs> um, <laughs> getting a bit kind of heavier into the themes of the episode, the euthanizing of um, Aichaya embodied a, a theme that Fontana was eager to teach youngsters about. Uh, and she said, I actually wanted to do a story that dealt with death. It seemed to me that so many times children are not aware of death and then when a pet dies, the child is devastated and the parents find it difficult to explain the situation. I wanted to touch on a way to deal with the subject. Uh, the network actually didn't want to do that. They kind of resisted the plot of the episode involving that, but it was Gene Roddenberry who, as he often did, went to bat for Fontana and uh, got the episode sort of aired as it was. And to this day, weirdly enough, there have been zero complaints about that from anybody and a heck of a lot of praise, actually, for it. So it seems like it was the right decision. Um, there we go. Uh, due to the limited time constraints of the animated series, as mentioned, uh, DC Fontana found there wasn't enough time for an in-depth exploration of what eventually happened to Thalen, the Andorian first officer. She felt that answering the question of whether he was wiped from existence by Spock's time travelling might have been better addressed in if this episode had been longer than half an hour. Uh, she said, this is ethical time travelling because it deals with characters. 
If something is changed in another section of time, it causes a ripple effect, like a pebble thrown in a pond. Ideally, if the story would have dealt more with the characters, it could have been more effective, but this is truly a Vulcan and Spock story, so we had to go with it from that perspective. In, in terms of nerdy spots, there are a few kind of colouring errors and stuff that happen in the episode, uh, but the most notable continuity screw-up is that Vulcan has a moon, which, as we know, is uh, <laughs> yeah. said in the original series not to be the case, but my <coughs> word, it's, uh, it's been back and forth a few times, including the original theatrical cut of the Star Trek motion picture, which also had a moon in Vulcan Sky, which was then removed for the director's edition, so <laughs> does Vulcan have a moon? Spock says it doesn't, then it does, then it doesn't. Who knows? <laughs> so, so any thoughts, uh, guys, on the kind of little bit of behind-the-scenes info I gave there? I've, I've got a, a, a little tidbit. If you, oh, okay, if you cool. uh, Billy Simpson, uh, who plays young Spock, he was nine years old when uh, his agent got in the audition, or mm. he thought it was an audition. He, uh, he went along and couldn't understand why they kept giving him lines, and it turned out they had uh, they already chosen him. And what he thought was an audition was him actually recording the episode. Aww. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, Mary, any thoughts on the, the behind-the-scenes info that we've given there? Well, the stuff that you said about the whole, um, you know, I try a dying and everything and needing to make a choice about that. So I was actually going to talk about it. I was like, oh, yeah, we will. We will. Quite, yeah, I was like, this is actually quite deep. I found mm. it, uh, I, I when when I was just, like um I was I was folding my laundry and just trying you know absorbing the episode for like the fifth time because I wanted to be prepared for this and I thought and it just really hit me I think the third time through and I was like wait a second I'm like they're asking this kid like to make this kind of decision and okay so fun fact about me I grew up on a farm and so this kind of stuff happens and I am, I am aware of it. And I was aware of it at a young age. And, um, you know, sometimes my dad had to deal with a farm animal that got hurt and it wasn't going to get better. And so, you know, this, this to me, I thought was actually a quite gentle way mm. uh, to deal with the, the subject matter. And I appreciated it. I was like, this is very this is very nicely done. This is very nicely done. Yeah. Um I find the animated series in and of itself um high comedy most of the time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because, <Probably true. laughs> because to me it's 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 like it's like the original series times ten in campiness. And yeah. um I mean, they have but, they have a giant balloon shaped like the Enterprise in one episode. So. Right. <laughs> And um and this episode was one that I did not laugh at. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I thought I I just really thought this one was very thoughtful, very very thoughtful indeed. And um, yeah. just yeah, it was. Uh, uh, I'm 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 trying to get back to you know like what what you were saying and everything that mm-hmm. uh you know in in DC Fontana talking about what she you know was doing when she wrote this. And it did help, you know, in understanding how Spock and Sarek, you know, like how their relationship developed and everything. And because I was like looking at it in that way. I was like, okay, so like, yeah. this is how Spock was as a kid. Although I guess the one thing after like maybe the fifth time, I was laughing at the like Vulcan boys outfit. 
because that is <laughs> <sometimes> <laughs> the notes that I made was why does, why does young Spock just have the most scantily clad outfit on for no apparent reason? Like, like all what, of a, the what a top on, man. <laughs> I know. They're that coupled with the, uh, the disappearance of Spock and the cousin and Sarek saying, hmm, maybe we should be worried. And you're like, you think? <laughs> Yeah, I was. I thought that was a bit too convenient as well. The way that sort of adult Spock ingratiates himself by simply going, "Oh, I'm a cousin. I'm related to you know this person on this side." And Sarek said, "Oh, well, come in. Make yourself at home." I'm like, "You didn't recognize the dude." You, you, fair enough. You gave it a little bit of. Oh, you you do have a little familiarity. Oh, I just have one of those faces. I was like, "Would you really just open your house to any random person that was like, I'm a cousin? Settle down." Well, here's yeah. the here's the here's the thing about that. To me, it's like okay, so I feel like Sarek would take him at his word because Vulcans don't lie. But the thing is, is that I'm nothing that Spock specifically said was lying because he is related to those people that he said he was related to, but it's still deception. And I'm like, wait a second. I thought Vulcans don't lie. So you say Vulcans don't lie, but I've seen Star Trek Enterprise. They spent a good (laughs) few seasons doing that. (laughs) Pajam anyone? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, so just just if you if you if you're just going like that, and it is so, it, it, you. it, you're not you're not wrong. Like why? Oh, it was a nitpick. Don't get me wrong. I mean, again, it's it's a twenty-two minute or whatever episode. So this this is nitpicking because you've got to get to the story. And I certainly sure. wouldn't expect DC Fontana to be like, now I'm going to have to spend ten minutes explaining how Spock convinced them. It's like, nope, doesn't yeah. matter. Move on. You know. So I yeah. also do like. The uh, little detail of Spock asking the name of the son that died, and I'm pointing at the screen, going, "Oh, oh, confirmation of Cybot." <laughs> oh, okay. oh. Whoa. Going back to kind of the start of the episode, DK, you'll appreciate this. They're bloody assisting historians with time travel again, like it's just blase. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the problem with the. <laughs> well, clock it? in, go, go up some life. <laughs> clock out <laughs> we had this issue with assignment earth it's just don't open your episode with just we're just handily walking through a time vortex just doing some scans like no stop it this never it goes was very without. abrupt yeah. it was very Again, abrupt. i realize it had to be and it's kind of it's more understandable here than it was in assignment earth where it is i'm gonna say it's a bit more forgivable in this yeah Captain Zog, we're orbiting <laughs> earth of the 60s don't even worry about it you know but uh, yeah I, I, I did. I, I, I've mentioned already the reason why, like the, they use the Guardian, they don't have to explain it and stuff. But I did still feel it was a little bit of hang on when they again, without really getting into it, because just like we're at the planet of the time vortex, center of all timelines in the galaxy, and I was like, hmm, if you hadn't seen City on the Edge of Forever, that's I'm going to need a bit more <laughs> more explanation than that, you know. But you know, yeah. I, I can't see Kirk being so readily uh, eager to go exactly. back then. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it, it's cool that we got to see not. The You would think <laughs> not. I wondered what, I mean, so, uh, you know, the, the uh, Kirk and Spock and the random red-shirted man, um, you know, are at, they go to Orion and they see yes. Orion at the beginning of its civilization. And I was curious as to why, like, why are they there? Yeah. They just say literally they're just there because what was it? I have it written down. Yeah, the Federation historians want to know about like Federation planets history, so they're just going was, to catalog it or something. It's I like, thought that yeah, was but it is done. It's, yeah, it's it, it was just kind of weird. But then also the uh, the other part of this whole thing is um, they 
you know, when they come out and McCoy doesn't know who Spock is. Mm. Um, and I think that that was funny. They get back on this ship and, um, you know, uh, then Scotty doesn't know who Spock is and they're trying to figure out, they're like, well, we didn't do anything while we were in there. And even the red shirted guy who remains nameless, I think, has a line. <laughs> yes, well, where, you're dangerously close to making a red shirt joke. <laughs> I know that. Well, here's the thing. The red shirted guy said, we didn't do anything. We didn't do anything to change anything. What's going on? So he and Kirk, are the two people who know who Spock is, but we never see that red-shirted man again. After that, <laughs> he's done. He's out. He's um, going to turn up in an episode of Star Trek Prodigy <laughs> in a few. <laughs> Maybe by restoring the timeline, they wiped him out. I mean, he's a red shirt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did get into it. Like, did they wipe out Thalen? You know, so who knows? But um, well, that was one of the questions. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Mary. No, 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 no. Uh, that was that was the other thing. When they go in and they run into Thalen, I was like, I thought that he was going to be, and this is just this is just me, and I'm giving you my initial gut reactions when I was watching it for the first time. I thought he was going to be more integral to the plot. I thought mm. he was part of the problem. I thought he did something, and then it turns out he didn't do anything. And then they have like this like thing about you know. He knows he's going to be wiped from the timeline or, or something because Spock says so. He's like, I've never known Andorians to be particularly charitable. He's like, yeah, but we like family. So, like, good, you know, because yeah, mom's going to be okay. And I was like, what? <laughs> this is so I convenient. Was yeah, but I was just going to say I love I love that because I love that that character is so noble and because it was such a shock that he's I was, was not expecting that his reaction would be oh so you're going to correct the timeline well I understand because we also have a deep love for family so live long and prosper in your world Spock and I'm just like okay all right fair. not I mean, sure I'd be quite so noble if I'd be like off you're not going in there to wipe me out dude <laughs> yeah whatever I guess but yeah I did like that I thought that was well played by uh, Jimmy Dewan. Man of a thousand voices as well in that moment. So, yeah. That was him. Oh, I didn't catch yeah. that. See, I didn't look at. I didn't look at uh, uh, much like who was doing what voices. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That was another one of the quick facts that I should have written down but didn't. Was that this is one of the I think three episodes in which James Doohan plays the most characters because off the top he of my head, the he's, Guardian as well, doesn't he? He's he's the Guardian of Forever, which I didn't particularly like because I prefer. No. Marvel his voice and I don't like what James Dewan does with it here. Um, <laughs> he's, he's definitely Thalen the Andorian. He's definitely the Vulcan elder because that guy just sounds a bit like Scotty moved to Vulcan. So that's... Uh, yeah, like, yeah. All right. <laughs> the healer guy? Is that what, who you yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I get, I get yeah. with the Guardian, they're going for a bit more of a an eerie vibe, kind of Scooby-Doo-like for the kiddies, but yeah. I do miss uh, Bartel LaRue. He d he did kind of miss eerie and mysterious and just came off as what's this time vortex text thing frightened of? Them. Oh no, you don't want to go oh, down there. You can <laughs> if you want, Captain. But uh. the Scooby Doo oh, thing like that feels like right. That that that's the that's the correct vibe right there. Yes, and that brings me to that's that's conveniently brings me to a point that's like I know it's the animation style, but every time they cut to like a shadow version of like young Spock or adult Spock running somewhere in the shadows, I was like, this is just full on Scooby Doo animation. Yeah, expect to see the gang following him. <laughs> I know that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> like Zoinks, young Spock. <laughs> 
I mean, I guess it's good that I try and didn't like, you know, talk. So it's oh, probably what we would have ended up with. Uh -oh, Spock. Uh -oh. I'm not feeling too good. <laughs> Now I just want to watch a version of the episode where somebody does that, just dubs him in. <laughs> in a way, it would fit because, as you can see from my little kind of profile icon here, the creature that ultimately does for I Chaya is clearly Cringer from He Man. I'm going to say Cringer. I was looking at it and I was like, that looks like He Man. <laughs> They, they just reused it's filmation. They just reused that, didn't they, when they did the He-Man cartoon? <laughs> yeah. Very probably, man. Very probably. You know what they're like for stock shots and things, as we said. So. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah and they sure do. I know that they're kind of like they can do what they want because it's an animation budget and stuff. But I did also find the kind of what should be just regular cars and stuff on Vulcan were very Jetsons. I was like, all right, calm down. <laughs> and talk about land hugging. Shit. When it went over <laughs> that rise at the end. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, no. I thought it was funny that the car was pink. I don't know why. Well, everything's pink in the animated series because the animated colorblind. So yeah, he just painted everything the wrong color. Um, yeah. I'm sure I've mentioned this somewhere before. Like I said, yeah, because he was colorblind. He didn't really. He thought everything was pink or various shades of like odd colors. So if you watch various episodes of the animated series, the Klingon tunics that they wear are bright pink. The tribbles are all bright pink. Or like mm -hmm, bright white mm -hmm. in that episode. The Andorian chap in this episode is more grey than blue to the point yeah. that in, in one of the spin-off books they say he's half Enar to explain the fact that he's just coloured wrong. <laughs> 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 yeah. I do remember this coming up when people were arguing about they'd cast a, a black actor to play um What's his name? Uh, April, Robert April. April. People were like, he was portrayed as white in the TV series. And I think somebody on Twitter, it wasn't me, I can't take credit for it, had said like, guys, we're just lucky they didn't make him pink. <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> like, don't take the fact he's white as canon. Look at some of the other miscolorings in that series. <laughs> oh, for real. For real. Now, okay. The, in, this, is, this is a little off, but it, it has to do with the pink. Um, <laughs> but just, just, because and it's it's a stretch on that. Um, when they when Spock talks to Amanda, mm. they do like their original series, like zooming in on the pretty woman. This is him talking oh, yeah. to his mother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's talking to his mother. And why are we doing this? But, I just, did, but I didn't was, she I also like so strike a kind of sleazy that. pose as she was talking? Yes, she turned in in that pink dress. <laughs> I was this this was the one and only note that I made about the music was that just like this is supposed to be an emotional family drama and all I'm getting from the music is telenovela. Oh see Amanda. Yeah, <laughs> that also brings me to another point, which is that I, I think credit to James Doohan, because you wouldn't necessarily know it's him in the voices he does most of the time. But Major Albara, make an effort, love. It was the, the archaeologist woman and Amanda were just Nurse Chapel. <laughs> it wasn't even disguised. No. Like, You're better than this, surely. Come on. It would, it would have been nice to, uh, to have Jane Wyatt back. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think they did try. I was reading somewhere, but they just... Yeah, I think she said she wasn't available or something. Yeah. But, uh... yeah. Having said that, it was great to hear Mark Leonard again and that he came back as Sarek, though. So, yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. You definitely won with that one. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh, I, mean, I know everybody wants to push Murph, but I want to push you sailor. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is I, I apologize in advance because this is a really nerdy kind of, you know, geek question, but so the kind of change history so that Spock died and that's why Dalen's the new first officer and stuff. So like, why doesn't Spock just disappear? How's adult Spock just hanging out on the Enterprise? Like, well, I'm supposed to be here. So well, I guess I'm, you know, I'm just going to sit here anyway, Captain. What of it? So, which I was just like, that's surely there's got to be a better way they could explain that. Normally they would say something like, I was protected by the temporal wake. But we didn't yeah. close to it or something. I don't know. I kind of glossed out. I'm, I'm going to break out my, uh, my Joel Hodgson <laughs> gift for you, Mike. <laughs> Repeat to yourself, it's just a show. I should really just relax. <laughs> Okay, yeah, mystery I, science theater guy. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't quite think that deeply about it, even though I have recently watched Back to the Future, and <laughs> I was like, "Oh no!" The other note that I made, which was kind of you've touched on it already, but the kind of bullying of the Vulcan kids to Spock, I was like, "JJ Abrams yeah. has seen this episode." Yeah, huh? <laughs> that's pretty much translated verbatim, isn't it? It is almost word for word, yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. <laughs> and I like it in uh, Star Trek 09, those scenes, so I kind of appreciated it here. But again, I think they're better acted in the movie because the boys here were just very stereotypically quite emotional, first of all, and very much like, fuck, you're a human, man. I was like, oh, dear. I was sure I recognized the LaMatcha's kind of roars. And when I looked up the episode, sure. Godzilla. It's Godzilla just couldn't paste. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. That okay. makes sense, I guess. I didn't have to look it up. Yes, I'm that big in it. <laughs> hey, I, hey, I respect that. I, I'm going to give you respect for that one. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's a fun fact. That's a fun fact. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, uh, in terms of the writing, as I will say as well that um, we may as well touch on this. I love that I think this is the first time they officially say in canon, without any doubt, Vulcans actually do have emotions, they just suppress them, because throughout yes. I think it was an awful lot of, no, Vulcans don't have emotions, and I was like, oh, I love this, because I feel like I have to explain this to casual fans and non-fans all the time, where they're like, oh, Vulcans mm-hmm. have emotions. I'm like, no, they do, damn it! They just they control do like, them. Yeah, <laughs> I do like how it comes full circle with Spock's line at the end. I think thematically it's really well done, especially when you consider the, uh, the darker themes of the episode. Mm-hmm. Definitely, 100%, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was a little bit confused about the fact that the Aichaya stuff didn't happen before to Spock, even though the rest of it was kind of, it needs to be a, a bootstrap paradox, I guess, but that changed. Um, but I guess I forgive it because I really found it quite profound when uh, Spock said the only change was the loss of a pet and Kirk was yeah. very positive, yeah. like it wouldn't matter and Spock was like, it would to some. So. Yeah, that's yeah, what, that's so what I mean. You... I, think, I think that goes back to the, you know, Vulcans have emotions and I, that to me, mm-hmm. it kind of, it strikes a chord and I just, my heart breaks at that point. Right, yeah. because then you see that even though, you know, Spock chose to go the Vulcan way and do the Vulcan things and wanted to keep himself, you know, on that path and alive, obviously, but that he still recognizes his human side and you know, to get to have that affection for that pet. And also, I think it's just nice to see that, you know, as a child that he was still like so open 
I don't know. That and that's me. That's my human side coming out. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that's that's deliberate. That's that's written that way. But I do kind of leave myself again. The nerdy part of me is like, well, so how did if that was so pivotal to Spock choosing the human the Vulcan side of things, sorry, uh, to help him deal with these things, then how come he chose it before when it didn't happen? And it's kind of all right. It's it's weird. It's time travel, but. I'll, I'll let you off because the emotion's there, but logically, I don't know if I can reconcile this, but whatever, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I forgive it because I will say that I think the combination of Fontana's, uh, Fontana's writing and the way Nimoy delivers it really touched me, really moved me. I think it was handled very well, the way that mm-hmm. Fox says, how can you not react with emotion to this? And the, the way he says, it would only be worth being sad if a life was wasted and I try as was not. Uh, I was like, oh, yeah. wow, that's a really deep and sort of surprisingly profound way of looking at it and to to talk to kids that way and not talk down to them and be like no think yeah. about it and uh, again yeah. the idea that even young Spock is like no he deserves a bit of dignity I think was like that's a big word to throw at children yes it is yeah. yes it is <laughs> yeah yes. and it really did I mean like that that whole thing and 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 just you know like <sighs> If you, if you look at it as, you know, like how Spock is as a character, just in general, just that whole, you know, that scene right there really sums up Spock as a character. It really yeah. does. Because it's like, you know, he's, uh, he, he saw, he saw Aichaya's sacrifice. And, yeah, and, 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 and while he was still like learning these things, you know, to be the Spock that we would know later who, who's like you know the needs of the many and um but that really like i felt like that that was probably foundational foundational yeah. for so, him that's what i mean i think i i don't love that they said this was a change because i think in my mind i want this to have always happened because it is so foundational and it is such a a clever way of writing that idea of I want to be emotionally sad, but logically there's no reason because it wasn't a wasted life. So that naturally I can see why a young boy would think, oh, I'll veer towards the logic side then because it's it's less painful and I guess it still makes complete sense. Um, yeah. So yeah, I kind of love the way that was written. I thought it was good. Uh, awesome. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> on, the, uh, on the less kind of uh, positive side of things, I do not love the fact that they had to include the what I'm going to call the Superman 3 moment where older Spock taught young Spock how to nerve pinch so that he could go back and beat up the bullies. I was like, oh. <laughs> Yeah. <sighs> Just no. We don't need it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, on a similar note, I don't love Dr. McCoy's exasperated racism. It just seems a bit exaggerated when he's like, do you know, Spock, it's so inconvenient having to reconfigure this for Vulcans every time. I'm like, you deserve it, Starfleet. Come on, man. <laughs> Shut up. I know. Do <laughs> I think that kind of that that fell flat at the end. Yeah, it did. I think they just put it in because you know the forest had a contract. It it just didn't seem to gel with the rest of it. Whilst we're on the subject as well, I don't even know why I think this, but I find his line delivery when he doesn't recognize Spock hilarious. It's just the way that he's so offhandedly when uh, instead of any emotion or whatever, Kirk's like, "You recognize Spock, our first officer," and he's just like, "Fade it on, Jim." Yeah, <laughs> it's like Brady. What? Brady, don't. Oh well. <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> Not even remotely concerned about it either. Like... Yeah. Yeah. Not even thinking. Not like. Well, I'm confused why you're thinking that. Like, no, don't move on. 
but yeah, I, I don't love that part of the ending, but I will say I do think the 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 line times change is a killer last line because yeah. it's funny and yet has the du- sort of dual double meaning because time has changed. Haha. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, um, I think I've talked a lot about the acting other than to say that, yeah, Mark Leonard as Sarek is just so good and all the mm-hmm. scenes between him and Leonard Nimoy, who obviously also excels, as always, I think were probably my, my highlight acting-wise of the episode. Didn't love Jimmy Dewan's Guardian of Forever voice, but I thought he was good everywhere else. I don't Jenny. understand why you don't love it. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's an awful lot of overacting in places, yeah. 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 <laughs> awesome. Old is as it used to be. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> so any other notes on the acting then before I move on from that from either of, uh, of you guys? I just oh, think it would have been funny had they kept this voice in Discovery. Oh, I'm the Guardian of Forever. There would have been the levity that you were looking for, the whimsy. <laughs> exactly. Well, we'll send you back to a time before the universes were so divergent. They probably would have come, They probably would have ended up being like. Uh, it would have been like Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, yeah. Michelle. You may get a spin-off yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what they. Where, where will you send me? We're sending you to a spin-off. We bloody hope someday. <laughs> nice. Beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. <laughs> I've actually got a stitch from laughing at that. Anyway. <laughs> so the, next, uh, the next sort of section that I have is just the regular sort of direction and the art styles and stuff. And uh, yeah, I love that as Fontana touches on in her discussions, that the, the animation give you a chance to see a lot more of Vulcan than you could in the original series. So it yeah. looks cool and it looks like sweeping and futuristic and desert vistas and everything. And uh, yeah, I like that. I think it's great. Um, I, I know we, we, you know, I know we poke fun at the filmation hmm. thing a lot simply because they, they reuse a lot of shots. But even now, I do think the animation still holds up quite well. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean that was... That was my next note, was that I actually find the animation, the filmation style quite charming for the most part. Um, I think for its age, I think this one, you know, looks amazing. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're happy for me to move on, then I did want to briefly talk a little bit about the uh, reception to this episode without getting too far into it. Um, I do, uh, I will note that originally Gene Roddenberry and Michael and Denise Okuda had decided that the animated series would not be canonical, uh, but they all stipulated that this episode is the only exception to that rule, stating their reasoning as being partly because it's reinforced by material and unification part one and journey to Babel, but also because ah. of DC Fontana's pivotal role in developing the background for Spock in the original Star Trek series. Um, it's not only Roddenberry and the Akudas who accept the events of the episode to be canon, many other production staffers also do. And uh, yeah, uh, there's a, a massive positive reaction to the episode. Sorry, DK, did you, did you want to say No, something? I'm gonna say, I, I, don't, I don't like this. I consider all of it canon. Oh, it is I now. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is. I mean, some of them are complete, completely stupid, but but they're fun, <laughs> and you can't say that they're no, you know, they're no more campy than a lot of the things that happened in the original series. 
Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I should I should have clarified that that this was a kind of an ongoing thing that this existed but wasn't canon for a while. But ever since kind of CBS got called of the franchise, they kind of officially on all the websites and everything just said nope, it's canon, it's televised Star Trek. And as we've mentioned already, Mike McMahon of Lower Decks is clearly a fan because yeah. he made so many things canon by including them in Lower Decks, including the gigantic uh, Spock. And, yeah. Um, oh, yes. That, I love that episode. <laughs> yeah. And things like the Cation officers, the Adosians, the Kazinti. There's a Kazinti on the uh, Cerritos Bridge as well. So, yeah. Oh, and yeah. Now we can, yeah. That was <laughs> There's, yeah. there's the there's that one Cation on uh, Prodigy too. She showed up right. Oh yeah, away. yeah, of course. Yeah, I, I'm I am intrigued, but I was screaming as soon as I saw. Her. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a Cation! So. <laughs> we are such yep. nerds. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I was like, it's from the animated series of Cation now. This is where it needs to be, and I feel like uh, just having Janeway in it, like completely canonized oh. all of that and i was just like all right this of is cool yeah. this is legit now we i love this the nerd scale goes up to 10 but but this goes <laughs> to 11. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> precisely <right. Yeah. laughs> awesome um yeah i, I don't want to get too far into this because i was going to talk about reception but there's reams and reams on memory alpha that you can look up suffice to say that it is an incredibly popular episode it's usually regarded as the best episode of the animated series bar none often one of the best episodes of any star trek i know we've um, poked fun at it a lot but i think it's a fantastic episode it is yeah. it really is i mean oh they... we'll get we'll get to that yeah. <laughs> awesome because yeah we'll give our favorite sort of i should have said we'll give our favorite character moment line and sort of conclusion and score uh, as okay. well eventually so that would be cool um, yeah, the episode did obtain a film corner award for DC Fontana. Uh, David Gerald, the writer of Trouble with Troubles and More Troubles, More Troubles, cites it as his favourite animated series episode. Uh, the reference book Where No One Has Gone Before describes it as one of the finest episodes and the show's most popular episode. Uh, Judith and Garfield Reeve Stevens have found it to be very emotionally effective and mention it in the Art of Star Trek book as being a, a highlight. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like I said, I could go on forever. The book Star Trek 101 cites it as the best episode of the animated series. Unofficial reference book 25th Anniversary Celebration cites this episode due to Mark Leonard reprising Sarek as one of three that collectively are regarded as the plus side of the animated Trek series, with the other two being Mud's Passion and More Troubles, More Troubles. So, mm. yeah. Awesome. So yeah, suffice to say, very popular episode. Uh, so uh, I will... Um, what I'll do, I'll... I'll uh, I'll, I'll go on to the the sort of um, audience response because I don't have that much. And I'll, I'll, since I'm dealing with reception, I will go to the section that I quite nerdily call, <laughs> was it subspace communications? I forgot myself there. <laughs> We've only done 60 <laughs> of these and I forgot what name I gave it. So, yeah. <laughs> Incoming transmission. So yeah, I did put out a sort of a message on social media to ask what were your opinions of yesteryear and heck, why not just generally the animated series? And I did get some responses on slowly dying website Twitter. We're not going to go there. <laughs> uh, we got a few responses, including uh, ZX Jeff Owen, who said, For a long time, even when the animated series was not considered part of regular canon, yesteryear was. You can see why. A great story fleshing out Spock's childhood and the return of the Guardian of Forever. The animated series, best, pure, and simple. Um, at Alex J. Harmon says, I've seen it and thought it was a pretty good episode. At Jillsville 7 says, It's wonderful. Every Trekkie needs to see this episode, even if it's the only animated episode they see. Uh, and at Professor Troy D. Wood said, this is my favorite animated series episode. 
I was six when this was on, so it's my first trek, uh, and I loved it, bringing life to Amanda's Sealat story from Journey to Babel. So, yeah, awesome. Uh, on hmm. slowly growing website Mastodon, we're still not going there. We're not going to go. <laughs> <laughs> we did get some feedback. Um, at Kaiju Whisperer at mstdn.social says, I love all of the animated episodes and yesteryear is a strong one. My personal favorite is the Infinite Vulcan, mostly because of the sheet holy cowness of the giant clones. Um, overall, <laughs> overall, my love for the series in general is because they were able to have much bigger story concepts, animation being much cheaper than special effects, because they kept the philosophical dilemmas at the core of each episode, regardless of their Saturday morning cartoon audience. Uh, and finally, at carebearlib at nerdculture.de uh, just says, I've seen the episode, I like it, but it also makes me sad since Fox Pet died. My favourite animated series episode is the Lorelei signal because Uhura gets to take command of the ship. Yep, hey. yep, <laughs> yep. Solid. Solid episode. Awesome, awesome. So yeah, uh, as I say, we'll move into the final sort of parts of our conclusions and stuff because we've probably kept Mary far too long. Spark analysis. Um, so... <laughs> The first thing then on the list for this is I wanted to know everyone's favorite character uh, from the episode. Uh, Mary, do you want us to start with you? Okay, my favorite character in this episode is Baby Spock, regardless of his outfit. Regardless <laughs> of his outfit. Yeah, so you went with the young Spock. Any any sort of reasons why, other than the obvious? Uh, um, just because, just because of his, you know, his growth arc. I feel like that was, you know, like everybody said, it's 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 pretty it's pretty well out there. And uh, you know, to be honest, the the kid did do a good job of, you know, mm. like with the voice acting and everything. It was it was affecting. It was yeah. you know, especially when I try to dive. So yeah. What about you, DK? Who was your favorite character in this thing? Uh, I'm going to go with Spock, but I'm going to go with the older version. Uh, oh, okay. As a as a character, even when we glimpse snippets of his homeworld and culture in the original series, it was usually through the lens of a surrogate along with him, one of the humans like Kirk or McCoy. So it's nice to see events unfold from the Vulcan perspective. I think it also uh, it serves to underline Spock's grasp of the tenets of being Vulcan too. So I think, mm. uh, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I'm going to go wildly left field then and say that my favourite character was actually Thaling. <laughs> oh, <laughs> because okay. I just, yeah, I love the fact that it was someone that we didn't recognise or didn't know from the original series, so we didn't have that kind of recognition factor to back it up. And yet in just a few lines, I think I was like, I, I want to know more about this guy. I love that he's noble and he's all about his family and he doesn't question his place when he's told he doesn't exist there and like, yeah, I love that guy. <laughs> so, so, yeah. I, I to be fair, I'm like that with most Andorians. I love Andorians as a as a species. <laughs> That's fair I enough. Love yeah, Andorians. Andorians are cool. They are, <laughs> they are a good species. Um, awesome. So, who was? What was your favorite moment? Sorry, Mary, in the in the episode. Um. Hmm. Uh. Let's see. My favorite moment was. Well, I kind I honestly I liked it when uh, Baby Stock was like leaving and telling Aichaya to like stay, and and mm. Aichaya was like, no. Not following. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's fair enough. That's cool. I just I just think it's I think it was a, a cute moment that could have been like really cheesy, but it wasn't. It was just 
It was sweet. The, and also that's the voice you know, of uh, the voice of a woman with experience with animals who just don't do as they're told. Really, right. No, they? I know. And <laughs> and when you when you gave that background, you know, about uh, DC saying that this was, uh, you know, like her cat. I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah, Bobby Mickey, great name for a cat, by the way. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just it's just a sweet little moment that just, you know, brought some, you know, just made you made you care that Aichaya was even there. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah. Again, for a Which character that didn't important. talk. <laughs> right. Awesome. Cool. Uh, DK, what about you? What was your favorite moment? Mm, I wouldn't exactly say favorite, but the, the scene which, you know, had the most impact for me is the one where he's going to make the decision about the fate yeah. of uh, Anshaya. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I said the same thing. Again, favorite isn't necessarily the word, but sort of what I think is probably the best moment uh, I just said is the moment where Spock explains how you face such a loss without tears and without emotion because it was good that it finally explained the nature of Vulcans and got across kind of, you know, the, for people watching how to deal with that kind of thing. And again, for kids, it's it's a nice lesson. So uh, yeah. yeah, I like that. <laughs> um, and finally, what was your favorite line of dialogue, Mary? Uh, uh, you know what? I did think that um, Thalen's line, that was that was one that really stuck out to me because I was so surprised that he wasn't a bad guy in this episode. Yeah. Ooh, who, what's he plotting? He looks mean, and so, and then it's like he's he's not plotting anything at all, Mary. And I was like, yeah. oh, it's just lovely. He, he's just <laughs> he's just a nice Andorian who just like showed up. He just happens to be here, and uh, okay. So yeah, I really thought that I I thought that that line um, when he when he said that it's you know talking about how they the andorians value family and everything as mm. well and he thinks that it's good and he basically just like kindly bows out yeah exactly yeah. Awesome. Uh, what about you dk uh you mentioned it earlier it's the bit where kirk says a pet well that wouldn't mean much in the course of time and spock says it might to some it's yeah i think it's very understated but when you consider mm -hmm. his dialogue with his younger self earlier it's yeah. it's totally heartbreaking i mean yeah. yeah, I should have mm -hmm. should have thought of that a bit more, but yeah, I didn't put that as my favorite line. I've I've already sort of touched on why and referenced it, but my favorite line, I say a line, it's a it's a long one. Is what you do not yet understand, Spock, is that Vulcans do not lack emotion. It is only that ours is controlled. Logic offers a serenity humans seldom experience in full. We have emotions, but we deal with them and do not let them control us. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm a nerd, and I was like, yes, I'll <laughs> save that. And next time somebody tells me Vulcans don't have emotions, I'll be like, look. Go watch this episode. Tells you all about <laughs> it. So, awesome. Uh, right. So all that's left to do then uh, for this episode is to give our conclusions and score. Uh, so what's best to do? Uh, DK, why don't we start with you? Because uh, we don't want to throw Mary in at the deep end, I guess. So okay. uh, we'll grab your Thanks. conclusion and score first. <laughs> <laughs> I've got uh, an extremely well-written, and for a children's cartoon, especially at the time, emotional and thought-provoking episode. The FDA takes the best from the live-action show that preceded it and creates a tale that could only be achieved in animation. The result is an intriguing 20 minutes of television that's not only good in its own right, but also nails down some essential law for the series going forward. Excellent performances from Nimoy and Mark Leonard under, underline just how big of an underrated gem this is. This would have been very important to me as a child growing up, and the fact that I can recognise this from an adult's perspective all these years later demonstrates just how much Doris Fontana hit the nail on the head. The animated series is oft disregarded as meaningless, but while it does have its share of the outlandish, episodes like Yesteryear show that it's just as important a part of the franchise as its live-action counterparts. 
To me, it's a classic and for good reason. And I've given it four and a half deltas. Oh, awesome. So four and a half out of five. Uh, cool. Yeah, we, I should explain again. We always just have our written conclusions down because we can't remember things. So that's why it sounds like we're reading a script because we kind of usually are. Yeah. <laughs> Mine won't be that long then. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fine. We don't expect our guests to do, <laughs> to do that or anything. So if you just want to sort of even go with your thoughts off the top of your head, then a score, that's fair enough. But um, I, I'll probably go next. Then in that case, I'll give you some time to gather your thoughts, Mary. But, um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's it's a weird one for me. I think it's a, it's a very good episode by an exceptional woman writing what she does best, which is the Fred Spock backstory. Um, a lot of things that would become iconic about Vulcans are created or set in stone here, and it's surprisingly deep and somewhat hard-hitting. Perhaps it's due to the insane level it's been hyped, but I do think it may be a little bit overrated. Sorry. Um, it's mm. definitely not perfect. There's far too many conveniences, contrivances, and no time for anything to really have an impact. Um, admittedly, this is due to the limitations of the format, especially time, uh, and it's impressive how much it fits in, but you really feel to me like this should have been a full 50-minute episode and it's been cut down without any prejudice or due consideration. Um, it's also notable that it uses its animated format to show a lot more of a brilliantly developed planet Vulcan, but otherwise it's oddly restrained. Uh, there are also things like the aforementioned criticisms of animation errors and some of the acting and the regulars being a bit recognisable. Um, that said, the performances by Nimoy and Leonard are truly as good as their reputation deserves, and the emotional core of the episode does survive, even if it does leave me personally with a bit of whiplash when you try and live and dwell in that feeling for a little bit. Um, I got the sense of a script that could have been close to perfect, but just exists in the wrong medium. There's lots to love, though, and you have to appreciate it for the impact it would have on the franchise, as evidenced by just men how many similar stories have been told involving younger versions of Spock, time travel, family relationships, etc. Uh, but DC Fontana is still unmatched in that area. Uh, and yeah, I went with three and a half deltas or 3.5 out of five. So yeah, <laughs> Mary, we'll come to you, then we can't hold it off any longer. So All what right. did you give Okay. Um... Well, I thought that this was a very sweet look at the childhood of Spock. Um, I thought that uh, it was something that was necessary in order for, you know, uh, people to understand where he came from and how he has dealt with his human side, especially, you know, this being the next thing after the original series. So mm. quite important to lore, like uh, DK said, and I appreciate that. Um, I felt like that this could have actually lended itself to a longer, even like live action version. And mm. I would like to see that happen personally. Yes. Yeah. Now thinking about that, I give it four out of five deltas. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I really liked this one. That's fair enough. That's cool. Yeah, so you read a little bit of my, uh, some of my, I think, uh, nitpicks and criticisms as well. But yeah, I think I just, I, I do want to kind of just see it as a full episode. Maybe Strange yeah. New Worlds writers, if you're listening, give us something like this. Not just a straight it remake, would be, but, you know. <laughs> it would be a lot of fun. It would be a lot of fun to see done. Awesome, awesome. So uh, yeah, uh, I've worked out the average then for this episode. So we give it 3.54 and 4.5. So I actually typed this into my calculator like an idiot because I could quite easily have worked out the average <laughs> from there. Uh, I could tell you <laughs> what it is. Yeah. Do you, do you want to go for it, Mary? Do you want to tell the audience what the uh, final score is then, the average? Four out of five. <laughs> it's four out of five Starfleet Deltas. I do not know why my brain just didn't work on that one. But yeah, that's great. Welcome so yeah, it's still world. very good. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, we man, might I'm be always nerds, but math isn't one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's never been one of those things. Anyway, uh, but yeah, so that's uh, that's going to wrap us up then for this uh, week in this episode. So uh, apologies, Mary, we kept you far longer than I kind of told you we would, but I was personally that's enjoying okay. it too much. So, I, yeah. I, I am not going to be faulted for, or, or I'm not going to fault you for any of it because I am just as much as fault because I talk a lot. So it's great. <laughs> I love we are this. This is absolutely wonderful. And what a delightful way to spend my afternoon over here. So awesome. just oh, great. That's great. That's great. It's been really, really nice talking to you in person rather than sort of typing on a screen finally. And uh, yeah, we. Uh, I don't know about DK, but I'd love to have you back again uh, maybe next year. Yeah, to talk about a, a whale of a time. Oh, yeah. 100%. Absolutely. I am delighted that you even asked me. This is the first time I've ever done anything like this. And I've had such a nice time. I would love to come back. Awesome. That's great. Well, hopefully this episode does well because it deserves to. I think it's it's great, been a great little episode. So, uh, yeah. So just before I sign off, then, did you have uh, any sort of social medias or anything you wanted to share? Any other projects, Mary, that you wanted to direct people to? Oh, um, I mean, I guess you told people to follow me on TikTok. It's at flute music with a K. Um, <laughs> and that's that's pretty much it. Um, you can also find me on Twitter. Um, it's at brand new Mary. Um, and there's an underscore between new and Mary. And that's really about it. I guess I have Instagram too, which those are all, that's, uh, I have flute music underscore cosplay on uh, okay. on Instagram, where I, which is where I like put my Trekkie things. I recommend at the very least uh, for people to follow your TikTok because I think it's it's cool to watch. So, oh, know. it's a, it, it's a trip. It's not always Trek. Sometimes I'm talking, I'm lamenting about like being single and stuff like that. And it's a good time. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's just, it's nice to have that emotional connection with somebody who's not a creep or a weirdo, you know, so. It's very so on the internet it's very rare to find people that are genuine and real so yeah i appreciate that Absolutely. and uh, as i said if nothing else it's just some really cool uniforms including the first time i've ever seen anybody in an orville uniform which is just amazing it looks so good in cosplay form it's <laughs> yeah. so nice it's so nice i need to work on the shoulders i have to work on the, oh. the shoulder things because that's like the rank thing and mine are kind of cheap and i need to do something to make it better but uh, only it's, you it's would a work notice. in progress yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome uh that's cool and yeah dk what about you do you want to share anything or just the usual uh, things that we always have well i'm now on mastodon uh and i'm now on space hey if, for that retro vibe uh if you want to put links in the description right um you know i can be found on twitter if by the time of you know, broadcasting Twitter still exists. At Which it may well not be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, sorry, that was at AKA Starlord, I should have said. I spoke over that, so yeah. Um, awesome, yeah, I'm, I'm everywhere on the internet, but I'm, I've just linked my link tree uh, in the description because it's easier to use that to find everything because if I'm on Twitter, if it's still around, you can find me there. I've also got a Mastodon, an Instagram, a Facebook, and obviously the YouTube channels for the podcasts are all listed there. So you can find us there or, again, listen to our fantastic uh, outro by Timeless Journeys where she explains a lot of the places you can find us as well. So, yeah, without uh, any more rambling on then, it just remains for me to say thank you so much again to Mary for being a fabulous guest and joining us this week. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> we had welcome. a great time. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, we will be back for one last episode this series um, 
in a week's time, where DK and I are joined by our old top 10 Star Trek movies crew. Uh, so that's us two, plus Adrian, Park Tucker, and my good friend Stephen Brown. Uh, and we're going to be reviewing, uh, because it's time travel related, of course, we're doing a film because it's the end of a series, and we're reviewing Star Trek IV, The One with the Wheels. I mean, The Voyage Home. So <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> Do tune in for that to close out this season and then do follow us on our Silver Screen podcast for the month of December as well. So, yeah, we look forward to seeing you there. And in the meantime, do you remember, we are Starfleet. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. You have been listening to the Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast, hosted by Michael Wilson and DK. Created, produced, and edited by Michael Wilson. Additional material produced by DK. Music by Timeless Journey. More information can be found at soundcloud.com forward slash Timeless Journey. The Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast is based on an idea by Michael Wilson and Will Templar. Follow the podcast on Twitter at HomeTrack, on Instagram at Home Star Trek Podcast, or look for the Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast under Facebook groups. Links to all our social media accounts and more are in this episode's description. This podcast is available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Just look for Silver Screen Hit or Miss Star Trek. This has been a Mike's Podcast production, copyright 2022. Thank you for listening. <laughs>